also gotten you interested in Myrtle. That is M-U-R-D-L-E, not Myrtle. <laughs> M-Y-R-T-L-E, the person. Yeah, but I forgot to play yesterday's. Oh, no. So this is a daily, like, logic puzzle, but they're all based around, like, these, like, silly uh, murders. Um, but it's really fun. It gets, like, progressively more difficult, like, throughout the week. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. And so last night I was trying to, I've been doing them like right at midnight and last night I pulled it up, but I happened to be watching the switch at the time. And it turns out that I cannot solve a like semi-difficult logic puzzle while also watching the switch. (laughs) I kept being like, oh no, did I mark this off? Oh wait, what about this thing? Oh no. But like also trying to like pay attention to whatever Jason Bateman had going on. <laughs> like, so I was like, oh no, like this is not working out. But I've been really, really enjoying myself. I kind of thought that the switch would be easier to like do other things during, but that was not the case. I was able to like play like other phone games. I just like couldn't play one or like do a thing that actually required use of my brain. Totally. But I think for me, like I thought it would be easier to multitask than during like a new movie and I was like actually not Mm. the case because there's we can talk about this in a second that we've both seen it quite a bit but not recently yes that's that's also true yeah yeah yeah. I had forgotten like a lot of the like little side plots and stuff but anyway so I I just wanted to like put out a a little plug a little advertisement for yeah it's really fun I'm gonna make Alex buy me the the Myrtle book which was used as a murder weapon the other day one of the puzzles oh my god yes myrtle volume one. Oh no yeah but it's a good one today's is pretty complicated so i'm looking forward to see if i'm actually right i'm hesitant because it does also keep track of your like win streak much like wordle so now i'm like really like paranoid i'm like oh no but there's like so much to keep track of today noted perhaps after this i will do the myrtle and i will tell you my thoughts Okay, we can compare notes. Okay. Well, welcome to Rob Comathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And this month, as you can surmise, we are talking about the 2010 classic rom-com, The Switch, starring Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman, a film that we have seen so many times. Yes. Apparently, when we watched it for the blog in 2016, which I would guess is the last time either of us saw this movie. Yes, I think so. It would appear that at that time... We were also speculating about why we've seen the movie a bunch of times, but we remembered that we had seen it in theaters, which in 2023, I definitely did not remember that we ever saw this movie in theaters. I have literally no memory of going to see this film (laughs) in theaters. Like, where were we? I mean, like, obviously we were in Boston, but like, what were we doing? Like, what was the... But like, I can see that we saw this trailer and we were like, yes, this is the type of nonsense we want to pay for. (laughs) The only thing I remember, which I think is important to note about our experience of this film, is that both of us have watched it a lot streaming. And I don't mean 2023 streaming. I mean, like, 2011 streaming. Yeah, I have a memory of, like, putting it on in the background on Netflix, like, a lot. (laughs) Really? I feel like mine is more, like, on some bizarre 
quasi-pirated streaming website, like, where I used to watch, like, four seasons of Chuck. I do think it was on Netflix at one point because I'm, I'm so lazy. Like, that's the only reason <laughs> I would have watched it so many times. But I think it was because, it was probably because, like, back in the day, it was one of the only, like, semi, like, decent rom-coms that I could, like, stand rewatching. And to preface, when we talked about what movie we should do in July, we were kind of struggling. We were like, oh, let's do an older one. And you were like, let's do something we kind of like or something we'll have a lot to say about, which I feel like both of those kind of apply to this movie. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize how old this film was until I started like watching it. Oh my God. But the time jump also affects that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But when I pitched this, when I told Alex that I was going to watch The Switch this month and I asked her like, oh, do you want to watch with me? She was like, oh, I love that movie. (laughs) I've also seen it a lot. (laughs) What? I know, but but like if the last time we watched it was 2016, like I haven't watched it since like she and I have been together. Oh my God. Yeah. Really? So clearly this like didn't come up like in our relationship that we both like had watched the switch a bunch of times. I don't know why she loves it. She didn't actually end up watching it with me because I would kinda, be like, interested to see how she feels about it now. Yeah, no, I'm I'm also interested. <laughs> because did Matt enjoy it? Well, one of the things I said before we watched this was that like when we were watching Your Place or Mine, which I did rewatch recently and I was like, I think I liked it less than the first time. Meh, meh. But I feel like a movie of that quality, which like isn't incredible, but like has reasonably charming leads of a certain era. 10 years ago, I would have rewatched quite a bit. And now I'm kind of like, I might watch this once more in my life. Right, right. And it was interesting to watch this and put that to the test because I will say I thought it was of a similar quality, but they're very different. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say I prefer the Switch, but it might just be like purely nostalgia, but also there are many, many issues. Girl, I have so many questions, but shall I summarize so that people can understand? Yes, please. If you haven't seen the Switch, it's streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. Oh my God. So Jason Bateman is a very neurotic, negative person who has somehow managed to become best friends with Jennifer Aniston, who is normal... Yeah, they like apparently like went like they knew each other because they went out briefly and then they became friends, I guess. But he is so unpleasant. Yes, they dated in in, it seems like their mid late 20s. Yeah. And then they are now in their 30s in the mid aughts. And Jennifer Aniston, they just like hang out all the time. And she decides one day to tell him like, oh, I'm giving up on finding someone before having a child. And I'm just going to do it with a sperm donor. Fair enough. Live your life. Yeah, fine. Fine. So she finds a sperm donor somewhere. A married guy named Patrick Wilson, not named Patrick Wilson, played by Patrick Wilson, who is very athletic and positive, a blonde professor at Columbia. Yes, in like feminist theory or something. So like... Yeah, she's found this specimen and she and her friend Juliet Lewis throw a party to celebrate her fertilizing herself with his sperm. A party that Matt was like, what is the theme of this party? Lays, Vikings, and based on the art, I guess it's fertility themed? Okay. Is it her apartment? Because there's a giant spermy installation on the wall. And I was like, you've put a lot into this party. I think it's her apartment, but maybe that was Juliette Lewis's doing. What does Jennifer Aniston do for a living? It seemed like she worked for a network of some kind. And then she I, came back I, to a job yeah. at ABC, but I didn't know what she did. I thought she was like a producer or something. Okay. Something like vague. Yes. And Jason Bateman equally vaguely works in money. That's all I got. Like acquisitions. Stock. Like, he knows about stocks. Yes. 
Anyway, so the first like section of this movie, I honestly don't know how long it was. 10 minutes, 20, 30, is Jason Bateman being a very controlling friend and a certain amount of very dated like, oh, well, obviously you're upset about blah, 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 because she friend zoned you stuff from his boss slash only friend, Jeff Goldblum. And it is not the best. At this point, Matt was like, I hate this person. (laughs) But also... Jennifer Aniston is just out there making casually questionable choices. Like she seems totally normal and reasonable. And then she's like, maybe this random douche at this party would be a viable sperm donor. And you, it's hard to tell if she's serious. Oh yeah. So I don't know like whether to be upset about Jason Bateman's behavior, which I am, or to be like, okay, but girl. Anyway, so Jason Bateman does not approve of these choices and also is sad because obviously he's just been repressing his feelings for her for the past, we later figure out, about six years. Or like maybe they're both repressing their feelings. I'm not sure. At this point, it doesn't seem like she has feelings for him, but apparently she does. Do you feel that way? I felt... You know what? We'll get to it. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, so Jason Bateman gets like super drunk, possibly also high at this insemination party. And he goes in the bathroom and is playing with the sperm sample, as you do. And then someone startles him and he accidentally drops it down the sink. Um, Because he is so drunk and high in this moment of panic, he grabs a magazine featuring Diane Sawyer and replaces the sperm sample with his own. At this point, we had a whole like debate of like, what year is this? Because I had forgotten about the time jump, leading you to realize that this is seven years prior to when this movie came out. Unfortunately, Jason Bateman is so trash that he does not remember this terrible act of sabotage. Yeah, he's like blackout drunk. He does not recall. Cut to seven years later, only not actually cut because this movie inexplicably has like love actually narration from cranky Jason Bateman. Yep. Jennifer Aniston has moved home with her kid to Minnesota. So they've like kind of lost touch. And one day Jason Bateman is just living his very slightly updated life, refusing Facebook requests from Juliet Lewis, dressing marginally better supposedly, freaking out women on dates with his pathological pessimism. And Jennifer Aniston comes back to town with her child, Sebastian in tow, played by young Thomas Robinson, the absolute best part of this film. Yeah, correct. He is the, the, I was like, when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, I think maybe he's the reason that we watched this film so many times because he's so cute and funny. He's so good and he also improves them, right? Like, yes, yeah, he the really middle does. section with the three of them, like all interacting together, is by far the best part of this film. So Jason Bateman starts hanging out with this, quote, smart and willful child who, quote, thinks about everything and gradually realizes that this, like, neurotic, hypochondriacal kid is clearly mini him. Weird, right? Um, But then he goes to Jeff Goldblum with some fairly impressive reasoning based on the information he had, helps Jason Bateman put together that he hijacked Jennifer Aniston's pregnancy. And Jason Bateman, thankfully, reasonably, is like, well, okay, I have to go immediately tell her. Only he doesn't. Because he goes over there and Jennifer Aniston thinks that he's there to confess his feelings. And so somehow she kind of confesses her feelings, but also gets weird about it. And at the same time tells him that she's now started dating the divorced sperm donor. And like... Not to editorialize, but they then go upstairs to the kid, and I sort of understand why he doesn't tell her that night. But dude, call her tomorrow. What, yeah, would this not be like number one on your priority list? <laughs> like lunch in the middle of the workday tomorrow? A phone call after the kid's gone to bed? So many options. 
Yeah. But seemingly what happens is, like, I don't know if he psychs himself out or whatever, but he becomes too worried, as he tells Jeff Goldblum, that, like, if he tells her the truth, he'll lose both her and the kid. And if he doesn't, the kid will never know that he's his father. I am glad that there is not a third option here, which is, like, trying to date her but not tell her, because that would be completely... The fact that that never even comes up is the only redeeming feature of his choices at this moment. (laughs) So life continues with Jason Bateman telling Jennifer Aniston nothing, despite at least one, like, clear opportunity. And then her relationship with Patrick Wilson is just, like, hurtling, like, like so fast because it's, like, it, basically this man is having, like, actually a breakdown from his wife leaving him, like, like a hot second Yes, ago. within one year, okay, this man has been cheated on, gotten divorced, and then, like, started dating the woman he donated his sperm to. And they are, like, this is the part where Matt was kind of disappointed because, like, she had been written mostly reasonably until this time. And and then all of a sudden you were like, sure, you're going away with him for the weekend. That's fine. Oh, you're thinking about moving in with him? That's not fine. He's thinking about proposing? That's not fine. I guess like the subtext of this is that she wants to connect with her child's father. Like, you know, that's probably part of it. But there is no like prolonged discussion of this. Yes, absolutely. Both Jennifer Aniston, disappointingly, and Patrick Wilson, I guess unsurprisingly, we don't really know what he's like as a person, are like in a place where they're trying to fill a space. I think. But But, you have to extrapolate this because it's not explicit. It it is not clear. She's just like, the vibe is like, yeah, I like him. I think it's going well. And you must assume that really she doesn't know how to deal with like partly her Jason Bateman feelings, but also that like, despite this whole movie being predicated on the fact that she made this like unconventional family choice, she's now like trying to make that happen. Well, I think part of it is that Sebastian, the, the kid, is really obsessed with the idea of family and how he like the whole thing is that he collects picture frames with like stock families in them because he wants to like make up like a whole family history despite having I think what would be like a rich family history on his mother's side apparently that isn't in Minnesota yeah yeah like he needs to know about his father yeah that's fair that's that's a more charitable read of what's going on with Jennifer Aniston but then you know that took me several steps to get there like that wasn't clear Anyway, speaking of the kid and his yearning for a dad, he does not want that dad to be Patrick Wilson, who is out here trying to give this indoor kid, if I've ever seen an indoor kid, a rock climbing birthday party. (laughs) And Jason Bateman is fully becoming his child's father, picking him up from sleepovers with lice, giving him advice about dealing with getting bullied, which then leads to him getting punched in the face and journeying 20 blocks on his teeny tiny legs in New York City to seek Jason Bateman's approval. (laughs) And for the plot. Because when this happens, Jason Bateman has to bring the injured child home and interrupts the proposal party that Patrick Wilson, I guess, has planned. Yep. And he realizes this is happening... I guess seconds before it's going to happen, Jason Bateman realizes this. And in a moment of ill-timed desperation, decides after months of opportunity, maybe weeks, weeks of opportunity, this is the time to reveal both the truth about Sebastian's parentage and his feelings for Jennifer Aniston, which, to be clear, are separate issues. In front of uh, everybody and their family, I guess, except thankfully Sebastian and Juliette Lewis, who was like out of the room. Jennifer Aniston slaps him in the face, which fair enough, and they stop being friends. 
Although, to be fair, I think he has done an important thing in preventing her from marrying Patrick Wilson. That's true. Like, he has done her a favor. He has sacrificed their friendship to prevent her from marrying this dude. That man is not in a place (laughs) to marry anyone. So more time passes. Who's to say how long? There's so much New York City time lapse in this movie. Yeah, I was like, is it three days? Is it three months? Like, Like, who knows? I know. You're like, who's to say? Um, Jennifer Aniston shows up outside Jason Bateman's place of work to first be like, I'm still mad at you, but I guess you can be in our child's life. Fair. But then, unexpected, also confesses that she didn't marry Patrick Wilson, quote, because he wasn't Jason Bateman, which arrested development like him, but (laughs) (laughs) But still... Which, as she puts it, though, it's a good thing that he's not Jason Bateman. And yet, here she is, I guess, wanting to be with Jason Bateman? Yeah, I guess. He asked her to marry him. She says, probably. Flash forward to this has all happened and they're throwing Sebastian's birthday party. Is it a year later? Is it two years later? I think it's it's usually always like a year later, which always begs the question of how fast they were able to plan this wedding. Yeah, like I get it. You've known each other 13 years. You don't have to wait, but like... It takes time. And you have a child and you both presumably have busy jobs, although who's to say? Anyway, the kid still likes similar stuff, so it's probably just a year. Oh, and older Sebastian is played by the child's brother who looks incredibly like him, and that has always fascinated me. It's very cute. This is such a cute kid um so well so i will say that my main contention with this movie this time around i mean there are several but one of my main contentions is that despite jennifer aniston's like claims to the contrary i don't actually know by the end if she likes him like, she does, like, like him as a person, but I'm like, do you actually have feelings for him? Like, when when he's like, will you marry me? And she's like, yeah, probably, like, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Great recipe for a marriage. Okay, so I realized that this was probably true in the past, but I didn't remember it or couldn't articulate it, that I might, like, really like the middle of this movie and hate the beginning and the end. And the only part of the end that I kind of like is the will you marry probably thing is that because I think it's just her being like, yeah, like, I guess this is where this is going. However, you raise a good point that like the way it is played, she just seems resigned to her fate. Exactly. But in the epilogue, he's like wrapping his arms around her after like lighting up the grill, which is like some sort of manly act that I truly would not have believed that Jason Bateman would have been capable of in the middle of the film. And she's like into it. I'm like, are you into him? Like sexually? Well, there's actually some nice stuff between them. But it's only in like the quietest moments. Like I feel like there's a moment on the couch where you're like, oh, there's there's something here. Mm, okay. Which honestly, I think I had never before noticed or had just completely forgotten. So it's obviously not a major whatever. They're reminiscing about like old photos and you're like, oh, like, I guess like she was into him 13 years ago and he kind of blew her off and then they somehow became friends. And I have so many questions about how this happened, but also like who is running from Jennifer Aniston? (laughs) I also think, like, maybe, like, they made Jason Bateman just a smidge (laughs) too annoying. Actually, it's easier for me to understand, I don't know what this says about me, that she's into him than that she's friends with him. That's so funny. Like, I don't know. And also a lot of this movie in general, I was just kind of like, 
there's something to be said for when you're like, oh, this is not good, but you're both so good that I'm kind of getting on board, even though I hate you, maybe. Uh, but a lot of that doesn't come out until the kid is there. Well, the humming while chewing thing alone oh, I fucking hate that. is enough to disqualify someone from my life. So <laughs> it's horrible. It's truly terrible. Also, they call it moaning, which makes it, if possible, worse. No, that is worse. It's way worse. Imagine going on a date and you're like, okay, this guy doesn't seem like a serial killer at first. And then you start eating and then he starts moaning while he eats. You're like, goodbye. <laughs> You have to assume that their first dates involved no food. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I would just be like, okay, let's just get drinks. Do you think that Jason Bateman, when they met at like, I don't know, 26, 29, whatever, was like less crotchety than he is at whatever point in their mid-30s, Jennifer Aniston decides her eggs are withering? I don't know. He drinks, he goes to parties, like... He, he has to have some joy in his life, I guess. Yeah, like, he seems, like, perfectly fine and fun and normal and competent until you speak to him. Exactly. Like, when Jennifer Aniston comes back to town, we're seeing that he's on a date with some woman, and she's like, how are you still single? And then he starts talking, and you're like, oh, this is how. It's like, it's cute on the kid and not cute on Jason Bateman. Correct. But it's mostly because the kid is so precocious that it's cute. I mean, I think the thing with Jennifer Aniston is that you have to assume that she loves him the whole time. When you say like, does she like him? I'm like, honestly, I think she loves him. I don't know that she likes him, let's say 40% of the time. Yeah, she literally says to him at one point, oh, like, don't Wally this up. <laughs> like, what is, and he's like, did you use my name as a verb? Also, his name is Wally. Okay, yeah. That Do you not think as an adult you would, like, try to change it up, Wallace? Like, you know? <laughs> like, Wally seems really bad. It did cause me to feel, though, that, like, the way when she's talking about her kid, you're like, is the read here that you you like these traits and that's part of why you probably liked Jason Bateman? Which, in which case, like, more power to you, I guess. <laughs> just... It's just, like, a very pessimistic household. <laughs> Like, they would both be like, oh, no, it's going to rain. We might as well cancel. And then she's like, no, guys, it's fine. There's only like a 30% chance of rain. I have to say, though, like, if this movie were made 10 years later, Jason Bateman would go to therapy. <laughs> well, no, let me. he would already be in therapy. His therapist would be like, please stop calling Jason Bateman. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, But I just, flash forward, Jason Bateman does not seem so negative. He does seem a bit less negative. You would think he'd be more negative because he literally only has one friend, his boss. But yeah, no, flash forward, like, him, like, a year later. Yeah, he does seem like... Are we supposed to read that, like, they're partly both so down on their lives because they could have just been together this whole time? I guess. Okay, you know, like, we often like these... Typically heterosexual codependent friendships that in like your normal rom-com dating sphere would be a huge red flag if you were one of these like secondary love interests dating one of these people. True. Yeah. And I actually never think of this movie as falling in that model, but mm, it definitely okay. does. And I was like, I guess I don't care about this as much as I used to, but I did have the expected viewer response a couple of times, like in the middle of like, is that her hand on his knee at this movie? And there is like a nostalgic part of me where that kind of brings me joy. But you're like, these moments are very oddly scattered between long stretches where it does not seem like she enjoys him at all. I know, because it seems like she spends a lot of her life like handling him. Do you know what I mean? And like, that's not sexy. 
part of me is like, maybe we should have come into this movie very slightly earlier so that we could see them being friends prior to his intense disapproval of this choice that she's made. Yeah, he's like so down on her having a baby. Yes. Do we feel that he's A, a terrible friend and B, a terrible person? Is it just this moment? Like he does get called on it, which makes it better than if he didn't. But like, you're very unsupportive. Yes, he is a very, he's like a very selfish friend. I went to Wikipedia, by the way, and there were certain things that I had kind of forgotten about it, like that he offers his own sperm, which like, fair enough, I wouldn't want to reproduce with this man either. Um, But also the Wikipedia, interestingly enough, like tells the plot as if it's from her perspective. Oh. And the movie is really not. No, it's very like Jason Bateman centered. And there's even, I scrolled down further in Wikipedia, there's like reviews that comment on the fact that like, like very few rom-coms, this is from his perspective. Yeah. But it does say that she believes he is too neurotic, pessimistic, and self-absorbed. So I assume that she says these things. Okay, so let's move on to the non-consenting sperm hijacking part of this film, which I think in 2010 maybe also bothered us. Okay, so the thing about the premise is I had remembered only that he was really drunk and negative and did this thing, and I was like, Jason Bateman should be prosecuted. (laughs) But then... In watching, I was like, oh, you know what? To give credit to whoever put this film together, I completely forgot that, yes, he is super trash and making terrible choices, but also it is an accident. Yes, it's not like... his intention is to put the thing back. Yes. Like, he clearly was like, I'm fucking around with this, which you shouldn't be. But fair enough, like, I don't know that I would ever do this, but hypothetically, like, I would also have been like, meh, and then, like, put it back from the cum shrine, as Matt called it. Yeah. (laughs) Which I've never (laughs) noticed before. I... (laughs) I was also like, you you probably shouldn't be touching it. Like, she should probably inseminate herself, like, now. She should also maybe not leave it in the bathroom. And, like, maybe she shouldn't have thrown a party around this event. Look, that's her choice. That's true. It was funny. They were like, it's how everyone is doing it these days. And I'm like, do I not remember 2010? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we were too young at the time. Like, no, none of our friends were having kids yet. So, like... It's, it's impressive, actually, that the movie does such a decent job later. You assume that if he had realized in the moment that he did this, he would immediately have told her the next day. Yes. Which would already have been too fucking late. Yep. But. I was, like, gobsmacked that this insemination process worked the first time, by the way. I was, oh my god, right? I was like, oh, she must be tracking her ovulation very closely. Well, she's got all the charts on the, on the bathroom door. Yeah. Um, yeah, I too, like, didn't realize that until I was reading the Wikipedia summary and it jumped right to, like, insemination works. And I was like, really? Yep, yep. Like, first try. Wow. If only we could all be so lucky. Um, (laughs) I did also love that after she moved away, it says that Jason Bateman falls into, quote, a dreary period. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Oh, boy. But yeah, it's, it is an accident. Like, you can't, like, totally say, like, it wasn't malicious, right? Yeah, and he blacked out. Like, so he doesn't remember it happening. So that's why he spent so long, like, just thinking that she, like, inseminated herself successfully with, like, the donor guy's sperm. Like, okay. But then when he realizes and he just, like, puts off telling her, I mean, it is, like, a certain amount of, like, oh, there are, like, extenuating circumstances. But, like, he had plenty of time between those circumstances. If I had something to tell you, I would find the time. When watching, the thing that, like, made me so crazy was when 
and I had actually forgotten about this when I was writing the summary, was that at some point she's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking of moving in with Roland. And she basically says, unless you have something to say to me. Oh, no. Because she has kind of confessed her feelings and then they both got weird and then she got locked into the house and like, whatever. But like, that was an opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so presumably he had several opportunities, super negative Jason Bateman, who cannot find love because he's so terrible, with Jennifer Aniston, a normal person who inexplicably loves you. You could have been together 13 years ago. You could have been together anytime in the subsequent, it seems, six years. And then when she returns, she's literally like, there's an energy between us. Don't you feel it? And he's like, ah, who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) Although, to be fair, at the time, he's like, that's, I don't know how to deal with this because I came over here to tell you something else life changing. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. But I just, like, I feel like there's an easy conversation here of like, hey, I really want to address the thing that you brought up last night. But first I have to tell you something. And I guess he's just like paralyzed by like the possible consequences. Yeah. Of dealing with either of these things. But somehow what drives me crazy also, like storytelling wise, is that they get conflated for the rest of the film a little bit. And you're like, you can tell her one of these things and not the other. You have to tell her one of these things. You can choose whether or not to tell her the other. Right. No, that's that's very true. And it's like, they only like see each other at like significant moments. And it's like, you could just call her and go over. But it's implied that they hang out like 24 seven. Yeah, that's that's true. Like he's spending so much time with the kid. Yes. I'm like, is Jennifer Aniston like working a lot? Like, why are you babysitting so much? Also, at one point, Jeff Goldblum jokes about firing him, and you're like, you probably, like, should. Like, is he working at all? (laughs) All he does is get drunk, come to your home in the middle of the night, and tell you his personal problems. Yeah, like, harass you at your place of residence, (laughs) and then, like, take off work. Like, maybe you should fire this guy. Maybe they were co-workers before he got promoted. (laughs) Maybe. Like, who's to say? Just It does seem like he has a lot of leeway at work. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. The kid is so cute, though. I love the kid. Yes, give this child a child Oscar. <laughs> yeah, like, the, from the minute he's introduced, like, he's just so solemn. He has the best little bowl cut, and he has, like, the cutest eyes. He's so, like, dour. It's so funny. He's so good. They do such a, whoever directed this did such a good job of like calibrating the Jason Bateman and this child performances. Yeah. They, it's very charming when the two of them interact. It's very cute. And like the whole sequence where he has lice and Jason Bateman has to like delouse the house and like, and take care of the kid. It's, it's quite charming. It's like very sweet. Um, but I will say like nothing to seize at with this child performance because we, so Alex and I have been watching Legend of the Seeker. It's my first time. It's her, like, you know, it, it, it's a rewatch for her. It is like the dumbest show on the face of the planet. Like everything is so stupid about the show, but Br- Bridget Regan's face is amazing. Um, but like last night we just happened to watch an episode that prominently featured two child actors. And I'm like, you know what? It's, it's hard to get a child to act. It's hard. Oh yeah, child actors are very hit or miss. Yeah, I prop like I probably watched the switch after we watched this episode, so I was like, ah yes, this kid is good. Yeah, like I wonder what he did with his life because it looks like he was in two more movies and then never acted again. I mean, hopefully he's living a normal life. Um, and his sibling, I thought, by the way, I was like, oh, this kid is in another movie, and then I realized, like, no, his brother is in Valentine's Day. 
They look so alike. They look super alike. Although I think the kid is blonde in that movie. So they might like not look as alike in real life. But face wise, like if, if I didn't know from 13 years ago that that was a different actor, I wouldn't have known in the time skip that it's not the same kid. Um, should we talk about Patrick Wilson in this film? This man is nuts. He's just like barreling towards like total annihilation of his own life, like trying to fill the void in which like his ex-wife left him. But like, is no one in, is there no one in his life to be like, hey man, maybe like take a second or like someone to be like, hey, maybe you should go see a therapist. Yeah, I don't know. Like, with Wally, I'm not that surprised that he's the type of straight guy who doesn't have friends. But with Patrick Wilson, you'd think he seems so sociable. Yeah, like, so that's amiable. why she wants to ma- not marry him. That's why she wants to procreate with him in the first place. Yeah, he seems lovely. So it's like, why wouldn't he? Oh, my other question is, if... Sebastian is so willful and obstinate and like so clearly knows what he wants. Why in the hell did they throw his birthday party in a climbing gym? Like how did they even talk him into this idea? They didn't. He's a child. Being a child is so demeaning. You don't get to make any choices. (laughs) He knows what he wants, but he's still small enough that you can pick him up and take him to the climbing gym. But, like, when you're throwing, like, presumably when you throw a birthday party for your child, like, you would be like, what do you want to do? Yes, and he said, I want to have my birthday party at a kill shelter. And Jennifer Aniston, the well-meaning parent who wishes her kid were normal, is like, or something other people would enjoy. Okay, you know what? That's fair. I would have been like, maybe we could be adjacent to the kill shelter. Well, that's clearly what happens the next year because... Putting aside our qualms about their relationship, like clearly the parenting duo of Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman are more able to accept this child. Yeah. And he has that like birthday cake where he's like, I will not blow out the candles until someone adopts this death row three-legged dog. Good luck, Juliette Lewis. I'm sure the dog's lovely. I actually think that bit's like pretty funny and cute. Like some of this movie is funny and cute and some of it's terrible and you're just like I can only get on board because this is such a good cast but you know what when I was rewatching it I didn't have a bad time yeah I was like you know what's weird in the year of our lord 2023 I would rewatch this film exactly <laughs> is that not insane no that's crazy why would I do that <laughs> Although, to be fair, you asked about Matt's experience, and I think that is key because it seemed like he had not seen it before. Okay. And much like us, in the first, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes, what is time, he was like, I hate this man. And then the kid came on screen and he was like, this is now a good movie, basically. (laughs) And then at the end, much like me, again, it was like, I want to (laughs) die. You know, like, I I don't know if this is me personally or if you also feel this way. I seem to have a stronger reaction. There are a lot of movies that I like until the romantic declaration. And then I'm like, I I, like this is now suddenly unwatchable. I don't mind the romantic declaration at the end so much, except for the fact, because it is kind of funny that Jennifer Aniston is like, I am resigned to this. But you're also like, why would you do this then if you're so resigned? 
But like, if you kind of put that aside for a moment, you're like, okay, I guess this is different from like a normal romantic. Oh no, no. Well, there are parts of hers that I also hate, but what I really hate is his. Oh yes, I think I just like glazed over that part. I was just gonna say I can't. I can quote things I don't like from hers. I can't quote anything from his because I think I like blacked out. I was like, I cannot watch this. This like Molotov cocktail of a speech. I will say that unlike other films where I feel like there was absolutely no way that you needed to do this in such a public setting with so many people around, you know, like things like that. In this situation, you're like, okay, I can see the urgency of why you need to get this out now. And like they... Like, to be fair to the film, they do direct that well. Like, he tries to pull her aside to tell her privately because he realizes that Patrick Wilson is going to propose. And then he, Patrick Wilson makes, like, a big deal of making a speech and, like, making Jennifer Aniston go, like, sit in the middle of the room with all his family around. And you're like, oh, okay, all right, I, I guess. And then, like, Jason Bateman is like, I have to tell you now before you agree to marry this guy. Oh, God. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, movie logic, right? You're like, yes, in in the context of a rom-com, this is not acceptable behavior. But like, I understand how we got to this moment. They do a shockingly good job of justifying some of this in the midst of a completely ludicrous setup, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I think about it in real life logic, which is not movie logic, I am like, or just like be louder about your objection and be like, I must speak to you in the other room right now before this occurs. Correct. Or you could have taken the opportunity, the, the like innumerable opportunity. Like the night before, like whenever that was that she was like, do you perhaps have something to say to me that you have been holding in for 13 years slash several weeks? To be fair, the Patrick Wilson, Jennifer Aniston relationship does hurdle forward at a breakneck pace. It's hard to keep up. <laughs> It's true. Like, we don't really know how much time has passed. Like, it's very possible that in the space of, like, a week and a half, he's like, you know what? I'm totally, I'm ready. I'm going to tell her, oh, she's getting engaged. Yeah, like, she literally calls him and is like, I've got away with him for the weekend. Okay, makes sense. And then, like, she's like, yeah, we're thinking about moving in together. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is your first trip together. This is Bridget, this is Renee Zellweger and Hugh Grant and Bridget Jones going for away for a mini break and then coming back to be even, like, moving in together. Yes, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And But she literally, she comes back from this first weekend and is like, I think we're going to go you know, next week or whatever, and take Sebastian, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Also, I'm surprised that she doesn't, like, hold back more on Sebastian meeting him in the first Admittedly, he doesn't know he's his father, but I'm just surprised. Yeah. I will say, like, she thinks, like, oh, he's his sperm donor, like, et cetera, et cetera. But still, I would be pretty cautious, especially- I would be more cautious. Yeah, especially because she spent seven years, like, living somewhere else, like, not in contact with Patrick Wilson. Like, it's crazy. But uh, the one good thing that Jennifer Anderson did in this whole process though was making sure she got a known donor like that that was like the one good thing like she didn't just like get an anonymous donor like that this was a good move at least Sebastian knows that he doesn't have like half siblings out there in the world when he's an adult like dating okay sure but look god yeah see I feel like my feelings on this are a little bit colored by like 
all of the disturbing research that I did recently on like various fertility screw ups. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about anonymous donors these days and I'm like, oh my God, this is not the way to go for your child. Yeah, I mean, especially bearing in mind that this movie was made like 15 years ago, like there is a part of me that's like, I, I guess like people's feelings on this have also changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's also just lucky is really more the case that she went with a known donor given how badly her kid at a young age wants to know about his dad. That's true. I don't think all kids feel that way so soon. That's also true. But I also do feel like, as Jennifer Aniston, I would be like, what's my family? Like, chopped liver? Like, please. (laughs) But I think that's normal. All kids are kind of like, uh, the parent who's here, whatever. (laughs) He has, like, stock photos and he's like, this is my grandpa. And I'm like, presumably you have a grandpa also in Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know, because there's a part of me that's like, look, who's to say? Maybe she's an orphan. But then you're like, she's not an orphan because she moved to Minnesota with the kid or like when she got pregnant in order to be closer to her family. Yeah. So you've got to assume they're close. But I don't know, like maybe he's there with all of these Minnesotan cousins that he doesn't fit in with. And that's true. Maybe they're all like hearty and like grain fed and like really love playing peewee football. Yeah, and all of them have multiple grandparents. Yeah, that's that's true. That's fair. I also think that he adjusted to that move quite well. Like, she, like, uprooted this child. I mean, he's very young. But she, like, uprooted this child, moved him to New York. Like, presumably she was living in the suburbs, you know. I don't think being younger makes moving easier. He's not so young that he doesn't remember. He's, like, at that age where, like, I would flip out if my mom, like, got a haircut. So, like, (laughs) he doesn't seem like a kid who would adjust that well to change. I was going to be like, well, you were kind of a unique child. But then I was like, no, no, no. But this is also a unique child. (laughs) Although I always thought the haircut thing was weird. Alexandra later told me that her brother was like that as a little kid. So I actually think it's apparently not that uncommon. Oh, man. Um, Okay, but she does say, like, Sebastian's having some trouble with the move. But then you're like, he seems fine for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, he seems crazy, but, like, that just (laughs) seems like what he's like. What's really funny, though, and I didn't even think of the not fitting in in Minnesota thing, is that, like, Matt at one point kept saying, like, New York lonely boy. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, but he grew up in Minnesota. He's so a New York lonely boy. I but know. But he grew up in Minnesota. He's very New York-y, which I guess is like one of the things that they wanted, you know, they because they're like Jason Bateman is so New York-y. So like. Yeah, it really makes you go like nature or nurture, man. So what would you say was your favorite scene and what was your worst? Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, I feel like everything with the kid is hilarious and incredible. I love the the intro scene with the kid at the restaurant. Like, when they go to the Chinese restaurant, the kid is, like, staring at the fish. Like, the whole conversation, the whole shtick. It's good. Oh, yeah. And, like, he doesn't want them to eat the duck because he's heard about duck farms. Some of it is so, like, dude, like, you got to know how to deal with a kid. And some of it is just perfect. Like, when he was like, I won't eat it and I'll hate you if you do. And then you're like, game over. And then he's like, I'm just going to have soy sauce with rice. And I was like, this Chinese restaurant has other dishes you can order, but okay. <laughs> and Jennifer Aniston's like, what a good compromise. Yeah. You've got to wonder, like, is Jennifer Aniston a very permissive parent? Or is the child just like completely unraisable with any other approach? That's true. I also love, I've always loved when Jason Bateman takes him to the zoo and he <laughs> explains what hypochondria means. And the kid is like, oh, I have that. <laughs> The 
delivery is so good. good. There were several moments of that line was one of them where I like did that annoying thing where you're like, wait, wait, this line is so good. Wait. (laughs) Cause like Matt was making his like puppet or whatever. And I was just like, you got to pay attention. It's so good. (laughs) But all Thomas Robinson. Yeah. Um, Okay, what was your worst scene? Um, well, the troubled man at the beginning was not good. Oh, yeah, the troubled, like, Tourette's, like, I was like, this has not aged well. No. This is very bad. I had totally forgotten about that, and when that was happening, I was like, yikes. When the movie began, I was like, this is confirming my assumption that the Switch has not aged well. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, the middle of the Switch has aged fine. Yes. It is only... But also, I guess that's, like the early 2000s or whatever, because when he went and was masturbating to the Diane Sawyer magazine, we were both like, what year is this? Like, don't you have a smartphone, blah, blah, blah. And then we were like, oh, maybe not yet. And then with the time jump, I realized like, oh, this isn't even 2010. It's like 2004. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Or three or two. Yes, that, that was the day where you only had a flip phone and if you opened your internet browser, it was going to cost you like 50 bucks. Um, the narration really bugged me. Like, I was like, Jason Bateman. I hated it. I hated the voiceover. Why did it have to be there? So many films love to use a totally unnecessary voiceover. Just get rid of it. I guess that's why they call it the human race. And you're like, you know who can pull this off? Whoever that person is in Love Actually, because that is like a big thematic positive movie. I mean, Love Actually has its own problems, as we know. But like Jason Bateman is not positive. He has nothing to say about the human race. It's just like filling time while we time lapse New York. Yeah, I hated that. That's probably my worst scene is like the voiceover. I just have like little notes, like bad music hate the food moaning quirk like why yes correct i guess i honestly the the real worst scene is probably the part where he's actually talking during the party it's just so unbearable uh on her end like i turned him down because he's not you i struggled with but maybe just because of what jason bateman is like yeah i will say like overall the movie is actually surprisingly like fine watchable yeah only because the whole middle but you know what though you and I often complain that there's not enough middle to these movies. That's, yeah. And I don't know why a movie can only be one or the other. <laughs> but, like, this movie is all middle in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for some reason, and they, they just, like, don't quite stick the landing, yeah. which is a bummer. But it at least does a good job of establishing their relationship. They spend enough time together. Like, you know, like, all of those things that, like, you're like, okay, I understand why you're, like, into each other. I guess. Well, I understand why he's adore her. I think the weird part about this movie is that it has trouble, like, switching gears between, like, some of it is very, like, naturalistic between them, and then some of it is normal rom-com stuff because you have to come back, and he's like, Jeff Goldblum, Jennifer Aniston, and the child are my home. And you're like, I don't buy, like, this type of dialogue. Declaration. Yeah, like, he just, yeah, he just doesn't seem like the kind of person who would say such trite nonsense. (laughs) And you also kind of realized this already and didn't do anything about it. So I just, I can't with you now. Oh, I forgot to say this, but like, I think maybe my favorite line between him and the kid, besides maybe the hypochondria thing, is when he's hanging out with the kid and he asks like how school is and the kid's kind of like, why? And he says, because you're a kid and there's nothing else to talk about. As an adult, I feel this so deeply. Yeah. I forgot to mention, but the one plot 
heavy plot thing that I really hate is when the kid shows up at his apartment after having been punched in the face and Jason Bateman is like, okay, let me call your mom. And the kid is like, no, Wally, you have to take me home. You have to do it. And it's like, wh- why? For the plot. So that we can crash this proposal party. <laughs> yeah, like, what? <laughs> but okay. I forgot. Like, I commented on the t- on that at the time, and then I totally forgot about it. But that's actually the worst line in our blog entry about this. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I, I clearly have hated it for years. Speaking of which... On the POC count, I was like, oh, the lady on the bus. And then I was like, oh, I must have missed more people. I should check our old list. And then I looked at the blog entry and no, that Asian lady on the bus is the only notable person of color. It's kind of wild, but I like not even, I guess like maybe the Chinese restaurant has like Chinese (laughs) people in it. (laughs) Our commentary on that in the blog did make me realize, though, that in this current era we're in of POC secondary love interest, it would be much more obvious that that sperm had been switched. Yeah, that's true. That couldn't have worked. This, yeah, this is an incredibly white film. What's really interesting to me about this movie is that we have sometimes in the past watched movies from like the 90s or early 2000s and been like, oh my God, hilarious. That secretary is now super famous. And I kind of felt that a little about this 2010 movie this time. Um, Not because any of these people were not famous at the time, but I was just like, oh, I didn't realize that like the background people like Patrick Wilson and Juliette Lewis are these people with like very full careers of their own. I was going to say though, like Jeff Goldblum was already extremely famous. Oh yes, no, no. Jeff Goldblum is an exception here. Although admittedly, like Matt was like, how much did he cost? Why did he agree to do this film? And I was like, I don't know, man. But sometimes when when a movie is chock full of famous people, you're like, oh, it's because they're all friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I hadn't realized until I looked at Wikipedia that Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston have known each other since they were, like, 25. But, like, yeah, I was like, Julia Lewis. I was like, forgot she was in this film. Yes, I think that in 2010, I didn't probably really know who she was. Right. And Patrick Wilson, by the way, is famous in his own right, but I only think of him as the secondary love interest and stuff. Me too. Me too. Matt was like, Patrick Wilson, great in everything he's in. And I was like... I was like, what else is he in? He's only ever played like the rejected love interest in rock cops to me. I think he might be in Phantom. Not that that's probably what Matt is referring to, but... Or is he little children? Don't ask me. I don't know. (laughs) Surely I don't know. And then after this, I'm going to Wikipedia Patrick Wilson and be like, oh, he was in a lot of stuff. But this was a period of time where I only watched this kind of movie. So, like, I hadn't seen any other movies. (laughs) Anyway. Mm, Okay. What would you rate this film? I don't even know. So, in the past, we rated it a 5.5, which I feel might still be accurate because I was like, 5, 4, 6? Like, sometimes it's like a 2, right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's like a a 6.5. I gave it like a 6. Really? I enjoyed myself. Your rating of the Switch has gone up in the past <laughs> seven years. I had a good time. Did you take a good hard look in the mirror? Look, we've watched a lot of garbage and like a lot of like recent films coming out like were garbage. Like what was that terrible Philippa Sue thing we watched? It was so bad. So I really, sometimes I don't know what to say about our perspective on these movies because I am like... Are the movies coming out now worse, or are we just older? Again, good point. Like, <laughs> like, like, would I have been into your place or mine if it had come out in 2010? Like, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. 
Because obviously at like 12, you're like, yes, Sweet Home Alabama, the height of romance. Okay, Sweet Home Alabama is still the height of romance. So like, yeah, still a wonderful movie. But I just, like, I don't know if I was like, this dysfunctional friendship between Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston was more palatable. But you know what, though? There are actually notes that I wrote last night that are like, as an adult, I enjoy some of their dynamic more. How is that possible? <laughs> It's middle dynamic, middle dynamic. Early dynamic sucks, sucks worse than ever. <laughs> oh but my look, God. What, what you, we, no, I know what would have happened. You, if you went out Jason Bateman in real life, you would have kicked him out of your life the moment this man wanted to leave that play at intermission. Oh, does that happen? Yes, they go to that like play, which is like some kind of like, I don't know. I thought it was like some version of Hamlet or something that was happening. But like, like, he's like, this is terrible. I want to leave. And it was like, it's like intermission. Jennifer is like, no, we can't leave. It's like during the part where she tells him she's moving, like she's pregnant and she's moving and he wants to go. You would never. Okay, but you're actually right. In 2010, I would never have left a play at intermission. In 2023, I've now seen Jagged Little Pill the musical. Oh, no. So, you know, as you grow, your perspective on things does change. <laughs> I want to be clear. We did actually stay for the whole thing because like after like four songs, I was with Alexandra. I don't know. Did I tell you about this? No, you didn't tell me about this. I I think listeners would like to hear this. Okay. I really want to know because we considered seeing it because oh my Alex God. loves Atlantis so Bullet much. dodged <laughs> for you, not for me. I was hit by many, many bullets. <laughs> called every single song of this show so i first want to say that this was at the fantasious in la and it was a touring production and this year or two the touring productions we've seen mostly at the amundsen have been a little hit or miss like okay. some of them have been like this show is only okay this cast only okay i don't really understand however the jagged little pill cast to their credit excellent doing their best with the material <laughs> Okay. Singing their hearts out. What a fucking terrible show. So first of all, it is as if an AI, this is topical, I guess, put together a musical based on an album. Oh, okay. It's incredibly on the nose. They're like, oh, a song about no, let's have a rape rally. Oh, a song about like a pill or whatever. The whole show will be about addiction. A song about Mary Jane. Her name will be Mary Jane. It's not good. And there are also certain things where you're like, this is just a bad choice. Like they're like, ah, this song about like feeling sexy or whatever works on Alanis, not on this dad. Okay. Although he did a wonderful, like he's, he's a great singer, whoever this dude was. So I went with Alexandra because she had like seen those like flags that Ellie has on the side of the road and she was like low key interested. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. This like $30 ticket mistake. And you know how like you and I have had this experience. You go to a show and you like carefully don't look at the person you're with because <laughs> you're like, if we make eye contact, it's over. <laughs> you and I frequently have to like just like leave, get in the car before we have to like rag on Correct. It. It's like like there's an invisible wall between us <laughs> while we both separately have this experience <laughs> because I don't want to laugh in the middle of this, like, moving performance that this person is trying to give. Right, right, right. And I also don't want to ruin it for the people around me. <laughs> About that. But, like, I should give context that, like, growing up doing theater, I used to feel very strongly that you should never leave in the middle of the performance, at least at, like, a smaller space. Yeah. Because, like, you don't know, like, is the director's mom next to you? Is the director next to you? Like, they've done so much work. Like, you can just suffer for another hour. <laughs> However... <laughs> 
we discussed during intermission the fact that apparently both of us, after like three or four songs, were like, I don't think we're going to make it. Like, I think we're, we have to leave this show. <laughs> but it turned. Like, by intermission, both of us were like, I need to know what happens. Like, I can't leave. I can't look away. <laughs> But during act two, though, speaking of the people around us, like we were next to like the aisle, which is like at the Pantages, like next to a curtain that basically separates you from the hallway or like an open door or whatever. Uh-huh. And I could tell that people were leaving. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I'm really glad that we did not buy tickets to go see it. We would have had to go no, to Boston. save your money. Go to six. I can't believe Alex didn't want to go to six. Yeah, I do want to go to six. Anyway. Okay. Sorry for that really long digression. Let's just come back to the fact that this movie is bad and yet better than some things we've seen recently, but we don't know whether it's our perspective. And I want to note that when we reviewed this in 2016, we wrote 12 out of the 34 movies we've seen so far. What a sad commentary on the assortment of films we've seen so far. And I guess that's also true now. Yeah, no, still true. It's still just relative. Maybe we'll have to revisit the Switch in, like, another five years and see, like, how we feel about it at that point. But I think the premise of the Switch also helped to lower expectations. Like, I was like, there is no way that this movie I felt lukewarm about in 2010 will have improved. I know. Based on its premise. Yeah. But I I guess I had forgotten some things. Mainly Thomas Robinson and the fact that it was an accident. Anyway. I guess we did have a lot to say about the Switch. Did we settle on a score? You knew that we would. That's why you picked this movie. Don't pretend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and because you love the switch apparently apparently i do six out of ten i mean yeah that's real love still <laughs> it's so unusual for you to be more charitable towards a film than me i know i just love that kid okay let's say uh, five and a half or six out of ten jason bateman missed fucking opportunities yeah five and a half six out of ten adorable kid shenanigans five and a half to six out of ten jeff goldblum should fire jason bateman all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this month. We will be back next month with a new episode. Uh, we've already picked our August movie, so we're pretty excited about that. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.